Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the political party. It's less than a month until May the 6th polling day for various elections across the UK in Holyrood, Cardiff, police and crime commissioners, uh, elected mayors, local authorities, all sorts of things. Check to make sure that you are registered to vote, please, so that you don't lose your voice. That obviously only applies to uh, listeners in the UK, although wherever you're listening to this, do make sure you're registered to vote. It's just a good idea in general. Um, And let me know where you listen. Email the show, politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. And we have a wonderful email here from James, who listens in Vancouver, British Columbia, in Canada. He left the UK in 2006, and as he points out in his email, that was when Tony Blair was still in charge and the UK was still firmly in Europe. <laughs> that feels like a very long time ago now, James, on both those fronts. But great to know that you listen in Vancouver, of course, where The X-Files was filmed. I'm not mass. I'm not a huge sci-fi nerd, but I really loved the X Files, and that was the first time I was aware of Vancouver. So, if you see Mulder and Scully, tell them about the show. Get them to leave a review on iTunes as you can. And thank you to all of those of you uh, that have done that. Um, I do occasionally just see. Is that pathetic? See, I'll see if people actually are leaving reviews. Um, and I saw one, saw one the other day that I thought this is a real selling point. It's from Simon. And uh, he gives it five stars, which is very kind, Simon. And uh, might I recommend you all follow Simon's lead? And talking of leads, he walks his dog while listening to the podcast. And his final point is very pertinent. He says, the longer the episode, the longer the walk, so the dog is very content too. Now, there you go. This show is a friend of dogs. If you're into dogs, then treat your dog to a walk while listening to an episode of this show because it will get a good long stretch. And of course... You could just go for a walk or a run. So this there's a fitness element to the political party. Listening to this show is good for your health. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I can officially claim that. So please, if you fall ill while listening to this, don't blame me. Um, anyway, I've got hugely distracted. Today, the campaign trail takes us up to Scotland. And I'm talking to Annie Wells, who's a member of the Scottish Conservatives, a member of Holyrood for the Scottish Conservatives. She's an MSP. She's on their front bench and is their Shadow Secretary of State for Communities and Local Government, um, Shadow Cabinet Secretary for Communities and Local Government. Annie is a, a real character and has led a really varied life. We talk about all the political things, um, of course, about the constitutional debate and about how um, handy, perhaps, that, that is for the Scottish Conservatives, or handy how handy it's been and how that position might be changing. Um, but also just about Annie's life. She worked for Marks and Spencers in Glasgow at various sites, parts of Glasgow that I know quite well. Um, so it's really interesting talking to her about what took her from being successful in MS, running these different stores, to going into politics. And for her, I don't, I don't want to sort of ruin the conversation with spoilers, uh, but for her, it's the 2014 referendum. Now, she's a single mum from Springburn in Glasgow, the sorts of people that were getting 
you know, that demographic that was getting politicized in 2014 was more than likely on the, on the yes side or certainly that's been the, the post-referendum narrative. So it's really interesting that Annie was um, from that background in that place at that time. And that referendum really is what got her into politics. She talks about why and how that changed, effectively changed her life because it changed her career. It changed um, what she's chosen to do with her time. Um, so it's a brilliant wide-ranging conversation. I won't spoil any more of it, uh, but I began by asking Annie about her career before politics, working for MS in Glasgow. Uh, well, I started off as a, I started off as a Christmas temp, and all I had to do was pick all the sales stuff off the floor, put it on a hanger, and put it back on the rails. I wasn't even allowed on a till at that point. Um, and then after after a few months, I get I get put through the management course and. Started off in a wee shop just outside Glasgow in Bearsden. So I know Bearsden um, near Westerton, West End of Glasgow. Yes, indeed, indeed. So I was, I think Bearsden opened probably about four, no, it's longer than that. I was one of the people that opened Bearsden M&S at the Bearsden Cross. Yeah, so, I know and then it I well. went round. Yes, so I've probably served you in the past at some point. <laughs> I hope I wasn't problematic. I wasn't trying to nick anything, honest. <laughs> I thought I'd pay uh, for it. I, exactly, exactly. I think that the, the, the person that I remember in Bears Den m and you remember Darius Dinesh? Of course, from Pop yes. Idol, one of the best voices ever. Exactly. And he had a hit single, so, Colourblind. Yes, and Darius came into the store, him and his mum and dad used to come in quite a lot. And I'd say to him, as you do, oh, can I get a, can I get a photo with you? And he was like, yeah. And he says to this other girl that worked for me, he's like, do you want one as well? And she's like, no. <laughs> she was like, no. Yes, indeed. So, but yeah, it's been, it's been. I loved working in M and S. I did. Everybody was scared to go into my produce section. I worked in produce because it was always perfect. And if I was off for a day and somebody was in it, I'd go back and they'd be like, it "Wasn't me. It wasn't me." So, but yeah, I, I loved it, and I opened many shops in Glasgow for them: Byers Road, Bearsden, Bishop Briggs. Annie's land. So it was all good fun. Byers Road, that big, big long road in the West End, has got some great pubs along it. Oh, it has. And the best thing about it was when I used, I used to do the staffing in the store. So I had to make sure we had enough staffing. And you know, the chip, the ubiquitous chip. Of course. I used to go along there with my staffing stuff and have a wee plowman's lunch and a glass of red wine doing the staffing for the, the following month. So that was always good. And then Jint McGinty's on a Friday night as well, a well-known Irish pub in Glasgow. Um, that was, yeah, it was great working there, but it was dangerous as well. Dangerous in what way? Dangerous and there's too many pubs there. Oh, right. I thought you meant like <laughs> there do wells coming in with weapons and things. No, no, lots, lots of shoplifting. And I've seen myself running to the, the, the subway station on Byers Road to try and catch somebody that had stolen from the shop and... I ran the length and breadth of um, bray heads trying to chase someone who'd stolen. Um, I'm only five foot, I'm about five foot, five foot one or something, but it just annoys me if somebody's trying to get on over me. I won't let them away with it. Brayhead, for those of people who don't know, is a big out-of-town shopping centre run by, I think it's Into yes. these days. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a Westfield, isn't it, basically? 
Yeah, it's like a Westfield, yeah, definitely like a Westfield. But I was at one end of it, and then I chased the guy right to the other end. And all the way through it, the security guards didn't think to say, what are you doing? So I still was running along to it. I got him. I did catch him. And what, did so, your rugby tackle him? What happened once you caught him? He just says to me, he's like, oh, what is it, Hen? And I was like, I think you've got some whiskey in your, in your, in your trouser legs. He couldn't run that fast, obviously, because he had bottles of whiskey in his trouser legs. So it worked out well for me. But yeah, got him, got the stuff, and and that was it. But yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that bit of the job. Me and my old, me and one of the girls I used to work in Byers Road, you, you weren't allowed to wear trainers on the shop floor, but we always kept a pair in the office in case we had to chase someone who'd stolen at the shop. <laughs> so you had Darius Dinesh come in. Did you ever have any politicians come in? I did. And when I was in Dumbarton, this was before I even... Well, I had just like, let's dip my toe into the Better Together campaign for the referendum. Jackie Bailey used to come into the MS in Dumbarton. And I was like, do I say anything to her? What do I say? And I was like, you Jackie Bailey? And it wasn't until after I got elected, she actually realised who I was. So, well, and when did Wendy Alexander... Yeah, she recognised me after it and she was like, I know you. I was like, yep. I said, I spoke to you in m and Dumbarton. You chased me through into Bray Head when I tried to nick all that whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to tell anybody that was you. <laughs> so were they nice? Well, were Jackie Bailey and Wendy Alexander like as, as customers? They were, they were absolutely fine. They just came in and got on with their, their stuff and, and sort of I went and I've had a couple of footballers in. and Ooh, what footballers? Held. Who was it? And when I worked in the West End in Crow Road, um, that's just sort of a party. Um, what's his name? Nacho Novo came in to, get his, to pick up his wedding cake. Oh, wow. So we helped him out to the car with his wedding cake. Yeah, so m and it's not just m and <laughs> it's, it's m and VIP. So, but no, it was, it was, I, I, I truly, truly loved working in m and It was one of these things where some days you would have Darius in or whoever. Lots of famous. I've had Christopher Biggins as well in the Brayhead when I worked in Brayhead. Um, so yeah, there's loads, but it's the it's the wee woman that comes in for a shopping once a week who doesn't see anyone. And when you spend that hour walking around the shop with her, I used to work in Newton Mearns as well. I've worked everywhere. Um, and when you spend that hour walking around the shop you know that you're the only person she's spoken to that week because her family were in America. And that was really, I loved doing that. That was nice. That was kind. And it was, look forward to it. So that's all of Glasgow. For listeners not familiar with the uh, geography of Glasgow, Newton Men's <laughs> is a, a, a slightly posher bit. They've got a, they've got a hungry horse yeah, and just, a beef eater. <laughs> yeah, it's just slightly outside Glasgow. It's East End for sure. And even when the... The previous um, leader of the party, Jackson Carlow, that's where he lives and works. When he goes in, people still ask him, how is Annie doing? So, so it's quite good. <laughs> that's nice. It's good for me. Yeah. Because people talk so, about retail politics, but you worked in retail and worked in politics. So do you think... I know. Do you think that, that background helped you politically? I mean, you mentioned spending time with people when you're, you're aware that that's the only hour they're going to interact with other members of society. So I guess there's a kind of small p political element to that it's about community and place and loneliness mm-hmm. and all those sorts of issues 
um, people might immediately presume, well, if you ran all these M and S stores, you've got that entrepreneurial spirit. Your your the business side of you is what is what made you a Tory. But what's really interesting is, that you, and you alluded to it, the 2014 referendum is kind of what really pushes you into politics. Now, on paper, most people would say you're from Springburn, at North Glasgow. Um, <laughs> Most people would say on paper, well, that's the sort of person that was reached by the other side in the 2014 referendum. You're the sort of person that the SNP and the yes people say, this was the person, you know, this is the sort of person who rarely voted, who was motivated by Scottish independence. And yet here you are, you were motivated on the other side. So why no and not yes? Because I just, I couldn't, it was horrible here in Glasgow. It was horrible in Scotland in 2014. And I know that the, the sort of a debate had been going on since 2012. But at that point, I was happy doing my, my thing and working and looking after my, my family and stuff like that. And then I thought, I was in Spain, right? I'll tell you, I was in Spain and I was sitting at the side of a pool and somebody says to me, they heard my accent, and it was an English person said, oh, you're Scottish, you must want independence. And I was like, no. Like, Why? And I was like, no, everybody in Scotland wants to be independent. But the only voices they could hear were of the yes side, because for some reason, we were a bit more, we were a bit quieter. But the reason for that was, it was it was splitting families up. It was really tearing families apart. And I remember, I've lost friends. I've had really good friends up until 2014. And I've never spoken to them since they found out I was a Tory. Um, and I was just like, but it doesn't change the person that I am. It was the same when I came out as being gay. I wasn't any different to the Annie I was when I was married and had my son. It was just that things about me changed, but my personality didn't change. But I, put, I wore the red tonight just to confuse people even further in case they thought I was Labour. Do you know what I mean? I thought, get that in there, get, get all the votes I can. So you... I wonder if without the referendum, you'd have gone into politics then. Do you think you were teetering no. or not? So the referendum is, is, is the, the single, not just the single biggest, but without it, you probably wouldn't be sat in Holyrood. No, I would still be, I would be in M&S somewhere, I believe I still would be, because I like that. I like meeting people, I like talking to people, I like listening to people's problems. And it's very much the same as sitting in Holyrood and, and doing that as well. But no, the referendum... and. For, for people listening and who don't live in Scotland, the referendum was so, so divisive. It absolutely, it tore families apart. It really did, and it was nasty. I remember going to a, I was out campaigning, and I'll get involved about six weeks before the actual uh, vote. I remember going to a wee housing estate up in Bayliston, sort of by the north, the east end of Glasgow way. And this lady, probably ages my mum at the time, probably about 70, 72, was so aggressive and she's like, I wouldn't have pee on you if you were on fire. And I was just like, I could never imagine my mum being like that with any anyone, let alone a young, well, youngish girl. Um, but that and that was that is worse than actually chapping a door in the East End of Glasgow saying, Well, you vote conservative. So the referendum was the worst thing to ever happen in Scotland. And it was an awful place to be. I don't think that side of the story was obviously shown a bit at the time. People might remember Jim Murphy getting egged in the street and things looking a bit volatile. 
and obviously on the yes side, they said, well, look, this was a this was a civic and joyous expression of identity and a you know a big constitutional question that needed to be asked, and there was nothing wrong with it. But I mean, it's really hard not to conclude that a lot of people were really emotionally scarred by that experience and that's partly mm-hmm. the reason they don't want to go through it again it's not just that they don't agree with the you know they don't want to put at risk scotland's place in the uk but that given how 2014 went and even you know those of us who live south of the border could see online that was the first time really i'd seen mega online basically hate yeah yeah um and that oddly what's strange about that is I mean, there's a whole thing going on with Alex Salmon. I don't want to get into the details of that. But the culture around his leadership is being looked at. But it sits, you know, (laughs) I think part of what might make people reflect on 2014 is that there's a conversation happening about Alex Salmon because the way opponents of his political position were treated, like the BBC, Nick Robinson, Mm -hmm. Jim Murphy... Just others. I mean, it was pretty ferocious stuff. And I, I think a lot of people don't really appreciate how severe it was. And of course, there no, are lots I, of people in the SNP who didn't take part in that sort of thing, who didn't like it, who, you know, the vast majority of conversations, I'm sure, were absolutely civil and fine. But there was enough of it that was troubling that really I don't think has been addressed or kind of apologised for or dealt with. No, no, you're absolutely right. It's been, it was. Scotland was filled with hatred and Alex Salmon didn't help it. And I know we're not going to speak too much about Alex Salmon, but what I would the one thing I would say is we had all of these independent supporters and SNP supporters absolutely backing Alex Salmon to the help to take this country to, to independence. And now those self-same people are saying he's not fit to even stand as a political candidate at the moment. Um, but it just shows you how split, not just Scotland does, but even the independence movement itself is split. And you can see the nastiness that's coming there as well. Um, and people went through I this with think... Brexit as well, didn't they? You know, people people did fall out with relatives over Brexit. You know, it's yeah. something that people elsewhere can kind of empathise with now a bit more after 2016, I think. Yeah, no, I think they're right. In the Bre- and this is also that the Brexit thing, it was like it was a UK-wide vote. I didn't want to leave the European Union. I was quite happy. I had never voted for it in the first place. Um, but the thing that just gets people here is the fact that we voted in 2016 and we said, look, we don't want to do it. Yes, it was a very it was a small majority, equally the same way as Brexit was. But if you, if you truly are a Democrat and you believe in democracy, you have to respect the results of the, these these votes. We have to respect them. Um, I We didn't see the Brexit argument up in Scotland wasn't as, as bad as it was down south, but my brother lives in Essex, and I know there was a big issue down where he was as well. Um, but... I think in the midst of a pandemic now as well, I think we should all just say, right, let's come together, let's move forward and let's rebuild the country, let's rebuild the UK, let's rebuild Scotland. There's there's four nations in the UK, let's work together to, to get ourselves back on our feet. So what makes you a Conservative then? Because you grew up in Glasgow, you're pro-UK, why not Labour? I was Labour. I always voted Labour. My dad used to, his best friend was the the leader of the then Strathclyde Regional Council, Bobby Gould. My dad would campaign for him. My dad was a real woman. My mum was a cleaner. 
brought up to, to vote Labour. Never politically involved with Labour, but always took myself to be um, a Labour voter because that's what working class people do. Um, but it was just when I read the manifesto and obviously Ruth being there leading up the Scottish Conservatives, I realised that there was a place for me in the Conservatives. And because I want my son, I've got a 27-year-old son, I want him to have opportunity. I want him to have aspiration. I've got my mum who's, everybody knows my mum is wee Maria, so we'll just go with wee Maria. She's 77. And I, I'll tell you what happened. I remember standing for election, right? I, I didn't tell anybody I was a Conservative. Not, well, I told my girlfriend that that was about it. I went and passed the selection process. I was a candidate in the 2015 general election. No one knew. No one. It was in the Glasgow Evening Times. And someone showed my mum it in her work. My mum worked in MS as well. And said, Oh, I see you, Annie's a candidate for the election. My mum was like, No, no, my Annie. I opened the paper. Yeah, there she is. She's a Tory candidate. How did she take it? it? Well, I was working in MS myself in Dumbarton at the time, and she was in Bishop Bricks. She'd finished her work, and I got the phone call. Do you have anything to tell me? <laughs> no. Um, Charlie showed me the picture in the Evening Times. I was like, what was I needing the Times for? She's like, I think we'll talk, chat about that when you come back. So the drive from Dumbarton back to Springburn is not the most pleasant drive at any time. But having to actually tell mum, having to go back and go into my mum's kitchen and explain to her. And once I explained why I was doing it, she says, I must be a Tory as well then, hen. And that was her. She changed from being a Labour woman for 60 odd years to being, not, she didn't join the party just to support me. She joined it because she understood that Labour had done nothing for her, but the Conservatives had helped her and my dad all through their, their lives. And she actually stood in the 2017 local council elections for the Conservative Party and wow. almost, almost get elected. Oh, that is incredible. I mean, that mm -hmm. conversation, what was the point that convinced her, do you think? <laughs> I think it was the bit that, I don't think we ever, my dad was the, the sort of a political guy in the house. We never really spoke politics. And I think it was when she sort of heard it from someone who wasn't just doing it for the sake of doing it, I was doing it because I was passionate about it. And she was just like, I, that's, I bought my council house because of the Tories. I, you were able to go to a, a decent school because there was the, you could choose what school you went to. And then she thought of what Labour had done for her all her life and they had done nothing. Glasgow was turning derelict and everything. So that was her. She was just like, and she's proud as punch. Proud as punch. Even in her work, people say to her, you can't be a Tory. She's like, I'm very working class. But did she not say to you, oh, Annie, come on, Labour have done some stuff, the National Health no. Service, the Welfare State, Sure Start Centres, the minimum wage, the Working Families Tax yeah. Credit, help for pensioners? Yes. Free she, TV she licences? Well, we want to get that back, but we'll deal with that after I get elected again, hopefully. Um, but no, I mean, it's like the NHS, when she says to me about the NHS for Labour, and I says, but who's looked after the NHS more since its inception? It's been the Conservative Party that's actually been in charge of it. So, but no, she's just, she can't stand the SNP. She really can't stand them. My dad, when he was alive, he just 
he never liked Alex Salmond. He always thought there was something odd about the guy, which turns out maybe he wasn't too wrong. Um, but no, I mean, my mum just, I think, aspiration, opportunity. And I was always told, don't use those two words because you wouldn't say them in a pub. But I would say them in a pub. Who said, not to, that's who said, who said not to use them? I can't, I can't remember who says to me, you wouldn't, don't use those words because you wouldn't say those words in a pub. But what, and, po- uh, and what, that was in a political conversation or a non-political thing? It was probably non, but it was probably political, but non-political, but it wasn't any, it wasn't like anybody elected in that. It was probably no. just someone trying to give me a bit of advice because I was starting off. Yeah. And I'm like, but I would use those words because that's what I want for my son and hopefully his kids as well. So I want people to have that choice to do what they want to do. So, and I think, Labour for me were, <coughs> especially in Glasgow, they they didn't do what they were meant to do. I mean, there's a, a beautiful park in Springburn, just five minutes from where I live, and it had a beautiful uh, winter garden in it. And the, 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 the then Speaker of the House of Commons, Michael Martin, and I like that, God rest his soul, I've got a lot of time for Michael, he was a family friend, but he lived across the road from that and saw it deteriorating every single year and yet nothing was done about it and it's still sitting just now with nothing done about it so but yeah but I so we Maria is a Tory now so I'm <laughs> trying to persuade it to stand in the council elections next year for the show when I was 78 so she's still a young thing <laughs> it sounds like Ruth Davidson was a big part of the reason so the, the 2014 referendum basically sort of activates you as a as a mm-hmm as explicitly politically conscious and, and turns you into mm-hmm. someone who then wants to get involved in that arena. And then when you're looking around the parties that are available to you, it sounds like Ruth as an individual was a big part of the reason you chose the Tories. <coughs> she was, because my, and a, a lot of people, um, a lot of people think of Tories as, you see the Westminster Tories, posh, private school and all that. And Ruth just made it that bit easier to to sort of switch over. Because... She came from a sort of working-class family. Her, her parents lived in Castle Milk and the, the sort of south side of Glasgow for a spell. And she just made it, like, you don't need to... I I'd, I'd never went to university. Um, I've never... I, I worked when I was 16. Um, and it just made it a place that you're welcome here. You don't need to, to have that sort of a... Eat an accent or anything like that. You can be yourself and be a conservative and don't be afraid to be who you are. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people join Labour as well, because they don't realise just what the Scottish Conservatives, how different they are from Conservatives in the rest of the UK. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're Scottish Conservatives because we understand Scottish people, we understand, understand Scottish politics, we understand what the devolved issues are. So Ruth did make it extremely, extremely easier to, to sort of our transition over. But I wouldn't go down well up in the up in sort of Aberdeenshire because I'm not a farmer. I don't I don't know anything about up there. So you need the, the right people in the right place. I represent Glasgow, which is a working class community. It's a working class city. Um, so I think that's why people can relate to me a wee bit as well. Still, people look at me going, you can't be a Tory for Springburn. Um, <laughs> we guy didn't read the water meter in the office. Every year he says, you're that lassie that stays in the name of the street. I says, that's me. 
he's like, and you're a Tory. I'm like, yep. And he, he goes in and reads the meter and he comes back out and he's shaking his head and he's going, I can't, can't get that. I just can't get that. And then he's away for another year and then he'll come back the next year and say the same thing to me. So for the last five years, I've had the same conversation with the guy that reads the, the water meter in the office. And when you, I'm not sure if you've been to the Tory party conference yet, but if you ever go to sort of UK-wide conservative events, do you feel part of the wider conservative family? Do you feel comfortable alongside people like Jacob Rees-Mogg and Boris Johnson with their Eton accents? Do you know what? I feel comfortable with anywhere I am because if people have got an issue with me or a problem with me, then that's fine. I treat everyone the way that I would like to be treated. So I do feel, I feel part of the, the wider conservative family. And I've met Penny Warden a few times and Theresa May, David Cameron. Um, and yeah, I mean, we all want the same thing, but it's just that I've got a different background to them, but I still want the same things going forward. So I've been to, I think I was one in Manchester and one in Birmingham. I've been to two so far. Um, but yeah, no, I I just think we need to get the perception away for what a Tory looks like because it isn't all, you don't have to be a Jacob Rees-Mogg to say I'm a Conservative. You can be we Annie for an ex-council house phone a block in the, the north of Glasgow saying I'm a Tory. We need to hear different voices. We need, And everybody needs a mix. We need a mix of people. Um, so yeah, but when you're at these things, I mean, I've been to been to a lot of party conferences, and they all have their own atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Conservative one, certainly the last one I went to, it was a while ago now, but it was under Cameron. Felt very conservative and very kind of stereotypical conservative barber jackets and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but it felt like oh crikey, this does feel different in tone to the Labour Party conference. The, the demographic was noticeably different. Um, when you're there and you're amongst that, I mean, how how do you feel you're viewed and, and treated? Are, are people friendly and they're like, "Oh, is Annie from Scotland?" Or do you ever you, do you ever sort of experience any snobbery within conservative circles? Well, I don't think many people down there know who I am, really, to be perfectly honest. Well, I do. Um, well, that's that's you're a you're a very very well well to do man, though. Do you know what I'm I mean? Not. But- <laughs> I wish I was. I wish I was. No, as as I say, I've 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 spoken. I've I'm quite I can be, I've been quite friendly with Penny Morden, so she she's really good. But as I say, our sort of politics doesn't cross over that, that much. Um, some people will know me, so I think the last the last conference that we had were um, thirteen MPs. So it was quite good having a Scottish contingent there that you could go to who could introduce people and things like that. And I think. I went to a couple of events with Ruth at that point as well so that I could sort of see what was going on. But when you're there on your own, it doesn't matter whether you're at a Tory party conference or whether you're at a Green conference or whatever you are, if you are there on your own, you are always going to feel like, hold on here, what am I doing here? So, but yeah, but I mean, I don't try and be anything I'm not. I'll, I'm who I am. And if people don't like me for that, then fair dues. If people like me for that, fair dues. But, I'm not going to change for, for anybody. I don't change for for anybody. Have you met Boris Johnson? I haven't personally met Boris, no. I've been in, I've been in the same room with him and I think he came up and did the the manifesto launch for us and I think that was North Queensferry or something, but I haven't actually spoken to him, no. 
Boris Johnson is someone that your opponents really want to weaponize, whether it's the Labour Party, but particularly the SNP, the people who are agitating for Scotland's departure from the UK. It doesn't seem a very helpful figure to the Scottish Conservative brand. I don't know if you have different experience of that on the doorstep, whether whether people in Springburn are, are deeply enamoured with Boris Johnson. Where where was I now? I was in where was I last week? We were, I was standing waiting to get my leaflets to get and deliver last week. And this there's a wee chihuahua in the garden going off its edge, but the small dogs are like they're worse than anything. And a chap came out of his house and he was like, Are you, are you here for the election? I was like, Yeah, yeah. And he's like, What party? And I was like, oh, the Conservative Party. He's like, Oh, that's good. That's good. And um, talking away to him, and he's, he said he really liked Boris Johnson. So that, that I think there's a debate there's one. as well. That's one well, guy we've there's we just one. need to find but, another. I mean, but that but that's just one example just of at the beginning, at the end of last week, that people we don't talk with Boris Johnson up here because he isn't delivering more education, he's not delivering more health service, he's not delivering well, he is kind of delivering benefits for the SNP just now. But people up here want a good school for their kids to go to, they want their family to be helped if they need any NHS. They want the economy to grow. They want to be able to travel decent transport links if they're living in the rural community. So Boris doesn't really come up that much up here, to be perfectly honest. But it, would, it might make your job a bit easier. It might be more helpful if there was a, a Prime Minister more palatable <coughs> to the wider public in Scotland. I think no matter who the Prime Minister would be, the SNP would seem to weaponise whoever that was if it was a Conservative anyway. So I don't think I don't think it matters who who he is. And I, I think we just need to look at the fact that they do need to weaponise that so so much. It's because of their failures over the last 13, 14 years. So I wouldn't take anything like that as, as sort of a red. Um, I've, I've never met the guy. I don't work for him. I work for... Douglas Ross at the moment, do you know what I mean? So it would be wrong for me to say, I, I don't know. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, is there part of you that thinks, oh, it would actually be really handy if Labour won in Westminster and we could have a Labour Prime Minister and actually that, that might make the union more savable. Well, Labour up here aren't really that bothered about saving the union because they won't work with any parties that want to save the union. So, um, no, I think I think having a Conservative government in Westminster is the one way to actually save the union. We are so strong on it. Um, 
we've heard Keir Starmer, yeah, we'll give a second independence referendum, no, we won't, we would, we, won't, we wouldn't. We, we can't go through that again. He hasn't been up here in 2014 when that happened. He doesn't understand what, what it's doing to, to businesses up here. If People say Brexit, obviously we had the Brexit issue and businesses were up in arms at that at, at times as well. But remember that we, we actually work more, we actually do a lot more trade within the UK than we did with Europe. So I think we, the UK is so important and I'm, I'm passionate about the union, but I'm also very passionate about Scotland having its place in that and its voice being heard in it. And that's why I think that the SNP will use whatever they can at their disposable, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, just to try and put, to tell people that, oh, look at the big bad Tories. I mean, people don't know that I live in a phone block and an ex-councillor in the middle of quite a deprived area. Do you know what I mean? But they'll happily shout Boris Johnson to me in the debating chamber and tell me that he's my master and all that. No, he's not. In a way, the independence debate's been a blessing for the Scottish Conservatives, hasn't it? Because it's given you a recruiting tool beyond the Conservative brand, certainly until Anas Sawar and Keir Starmer showed up, because Labour basically weren't on the pitch for the constitutional debates. It was a way to quickly garner support for the Tories in a part of the world where, since 1997, it's been a bit of a hard slog. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's been the only reason. I think we've shown that we are a strong opposition against um, the SNP in uh, Holyrood. I think Ruth obviously led that charge for us for the last 10 years. Um, yeah, I mean, people, it just shows you how passionate people are. That's how the SNP movement get all the extra supporters because they were saying that they want independence. People who didn't want it naturally found it a home with us. Um, so, and a lot of them were ex-Labour people, like like myself, um, have found that we are the only party who is strongest for the union. And obviously you'll know yourself when Douglas became leader, within days he wrote to um, Anas, Monica Lennon. I think it was Richard Lennon. Many, many leaders have had a Scottish Labour since then. I can't remember. I think he wrote to Almost as many as Scottish then, Tory leaders in the last few years. I will. We won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, I think when they're, when they're scared to say they are unionists, and I think on the leaders' debate last on Tuesday night or last week or whatever it was, um, Anna said, you know, I don't want independence. That was it. No, you don't want independence. You could have whispered that and it wouldn't have made a difference. But there are people up in Scotland who really, really are so passionate about keeping the United Kingdom together. And if they naturally find themselves, find their way to us, then we will do everything we can. And our policies are, are getting more ambitious, are getting bolder. We're looking at what it is that, that we need to do. We can't just go on independence all the time as well. So we're listening to businesses, we're listening to parents, we're listening to policemen, we're listening to victims. Um, so I think people are seeing us for the strong opposition we are at this minute in time. Isn't there a danger that for a while it was kind of like a way of boosting your poll ratings while Labour were kind of in the doldrums that you go, right, well, if you're on the no side, which in 2014 was just a bit more than 55%, mm -hmm. um, in the immediate aftermath of that debate, it kind of made sense. Now with COVID and everything, it feels like the world's really moved on in quite a short space of time. 
And seeing the SNP and the Tories both talking about independence all the time kind of feels a bit odd. And, and a space has opened up that Anna Sawa seems to have driven into, which is, why are we talking about this? Let's talk about something else. And in a way, now, who knows how this will be reflected in the results, but certainly in terms of political interest and space, it feels like he's trying to move the debate on and you guys are still arguing about yes versus no. I think that I don't think you're right there, Matt. Um, I think that we have to talk about independence because for us to recover from this pandemic, we need to know that there's certainty and we're not going to have to go through that divisive period of time again in Scotland's history. We need to recover. We need to build a roadmap to get ourselves out of this. We need to ensure that we support with NHS. We need to ensure that we're looking at how the, the sort of a the teaching went over. The, the sort of a lock, the first lockdown period and the homeschooling and stuff like that, it wasn't working. And we can't have a debate about education, about health and about the economy while everybody is still concerned and the SNP want to push for a second independence referendum within the recovery period. Yes, we have to talk about it because we need to say we can recover, but we can't recover looking at an independence thing all the time, looking at a vote on independence all the time. Let's put recovery first. If the SNP stopped talking about independence, we will. But they brought the last thing they did, one of the last things they did in the Scottish Parliament was laid a bill for an independence referendum. So they can't say they're focused on recovery when they're laying bills, they're using taxpayers' money, they're using resources, civil servants' time to go for that. I would rather not have to talk about independence. I would rather talk about the 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 drug crisis that's in, in Glasgow and Scotland. I mean, as I say to you, I've lived in this same house for the last, I'm not going to tell you my age, but okay, I don't mind, 49, right? So this <laughs> has been my family's home for 48 years. They moved in here when I was one. And I have seen my friends dying off because they took a different path to me. Um, I've see, I see people who I grew up with who are still on um, methadone 30 years later. What are we doing to help those people? You can't blame that on a Westminster Tory government, although they, they do do that. But NHS is devolved here in Scotland. Let's do something. We challenged them about residential rehabilitation beds. They weren't listening. They've listened now. But it's things like that that, that we need to talk about. It's things like that that we have been talking about as a Conservative Party up until, well, probably 18 months ago, I, I, I was a spokesperson for mental health, public health and equalities for the party. Um, mental health up here is ridiculous. You've got kids waiting over a year to get that help. It's, it's unbelievable, but we can't fix that if we're talking about independence. If they're talking about independence, it's their one and only priority. Nicola says, judge me on my record in education. Well, only one in 10 kids in East Renfrewshire are at the correct reading and writing ability. So, no, I think, I know what you're saying about Anas, but I think Anas is, is sort of playing this all wrong. We've spoken about recovery since day one of this campaign, but we have to get that threat of independence away. And the only way to do that is not to have a majority and an SNP majority in Holyrood. I don't want to keep linking this back to MS, <laughs> but here's a tenuous link. Yeah, go on, eh? Well, you know what? At the start of the interview, it says something probably more about me, actually. When I think of M&S, I think of food rather than clothes, even though yes. traditionally, of course, M&S is... 
probably the country's favourite clothes retailer. You know, the stuff lasts for ages. My mum says yeah. that the jumpers and the towels and everything. But now oh, I think I... of I think of the MS Food Hall and all the amazing mm-hmm. produce contained within. One of the things MS does obviously is fresh vegetables. And one of those things are leeks. Now, you will have sold leeks as you can see where this is going. You'd have sold leeks as the manager of an MS. You were then yes. chastised for leeks when you were at Holyrood. Why? Why are leeks okay in MS, but not okay in politics, I think? Um, to kick off, um, MS leeks are, are pretty good leeks and they're not that expensive. They make a cracking pot of soup. Um, the le- yes, okay, the leaks. I was suspended from Holyrood for, for five days because of a leak of a, a prisoner voting report it was. The report itself, I did not leak. I didn't see, I only had a draft copy of the report up until that point. What I did was comment on a, fir- a, front, story, a, a front page story in a national newspaper. We were asked to comment on it. I commented on the things that were already in the public domain. Um, but that unfortunately set a precedent and I got suspended for it, um, which I think was unfair because I didn't actually leak the report. I didn't actually go to anyone and say, there you go, there's a copy of that report, it's going to look good for us. We were all ready to, I was all ready to go with it on the day that the report would have been published. But unfortunately, another newspaper, a newspaper had got the story phoned up our press team for a comment and I thought it was okay because I was commenting stuff that was already there. So, so you get suspended for five days. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? Does that mean you, you, you can't literally set foot on the Holyrood estate or you can't go into the chamber or what? It means that I can't take part in any of the... So I couldn't take part in committee. I couldn't take part in any debates or anything like that um, for, for those five days. But you so, were allowed in the building. It was like the security weren't given... You're allowed in the building. They weren't given instruction no, to turn you away at the door. No, no. I would just sneak under their legs anyway. I can quite reel at that. I can get away with it. No, it was just you can't... You can't go in... You can't take part in any parliamentary business. Have any other MSPs ever been sanctioned for leaks in this way? It seems an unusually harsh and rare punishment. I think, yeah, I think, some, I think there was a precedent set by someone who did actually leak a report, got suspended for five days. So they, they put me in that sort of a category. Um, although I didn't actually physically give anybody a report or leak anything, I was literally commenting on um, information that was already in the public domain. So, and I think we might have some, I don't know if we're going to have anybody else suspended in the coming months or whatever, because... Um, Everybody likes a leak now and again, don't they? Well, it just seems like, not that I am not justifying leaking at all, but it seems to happen in politics all the time, including from cabinet, and mm-hmm. nothing ever seems to happen. And yet you get, no. you get a five-day suspension. A five-day suspension for commenting on a story that was already in the public domain. I mean, even if you had leaked it, right, I think most people would go, God, that's such quite rare a politician is punished for it. Yeah. No, I know. And I'm sure it's, and I, I know it's happened since then, but it's just no one's, at, no one's actually reported the person. But I was reported by, I know it was an SNP member, um, reported me to the Standards Authority. 
So, and that's because if I, if it was if I knew that someone had leaked a report, I would just be like, "That's shocking, unbelievable. That shouldn't be happening." But to actually take me through the process and then having to go and give statements to the Ethical Standards Commissioner and all the rest there, and and then be voted on, my punishment voted on in Parliament while, and I'm just like, so. And did you get to, did you speak up and defend yourself? I didn't know. Morris Golden, who was our chief whip at the time, did. Um, and I think Willie Rennie and I'm thinking Liam MacArthur were the only two others other than the Conservatives that voted against me getting a suspension. So, so Willie Rennie was on your side? Yes. Yeah. Now, people might say that's because Willie Rennie's a nice man, or they might go, what, what's he hiding? <laughs> What's he been up I to? Think, I think it's just because Willie Rennie is a nice guy. I think, I think I can say that quite comfortably, yeah. I mean, given the proceedings of the Scottish Parliament recently and debates over potential breach of the Ministerial Code and whether or not individuals face sanction for breaches they did or didn't knowingly or unknowingly or whatever, five days for commenting on a report seems... Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I was like, oh, you, are ki- you are kidding me on. But do you know what? If, if they think that I did it and th- that's what they said, that's what they voted for, then I'll take the punishment. Although I'm slightly, I was so pissed off when it, when it actually happened because I was like, everybody knows me. I'm, I'm honest. I wouldn't try and hide anything. And I wouldn't. Out, go out my way to get someone in trouble or anything like that, not at all. But for someone to to sort of put that in, I thought that's a bit... Because I could put things in about people all the time. But it's it's human nature sometimes, isn't it, these things? You think, oh, I will, I'm asked for a comment, I'll just give a comment on that. And you don't think that anybody in their right mind is going to go away, to the, go away and put a complaint in about you. So, but I'm very careful. I'm very careful now when I make comments about to any journalists now. So I'm extremely careful. I double and triple check. I'm like, the, the people know that this is happening. <laughs> is, it, is it out there? Is it out there? So, yeah. Googling the report. Has this report been leaked? Yes, that's exactly Now I can it. comment on it. Um, <laughs> the Willie Reddy, the, the fact he backed you up is nice. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Talk about 2014 and how severe that was for a lot of people and how they really didn't enjoy that. Politicians and public alike. There is another side to Scottish politics, though, and it would be wrong to suggest that Scottish politics is all fire and no, um, you know, fun and no friendship. Um, because there are friendships across party lines in politics. People do get on, and I've been to Holyrood, I've been to events in Scottish politics, and people really get on across party lines. We talk about this in Westminster all the time, that people get on. But it is reassuring actually, that Scottish politics, for all its harsh contentions, there's a lot of mutual respect and friendship there. Oh, there is. There are, I mean, as I say, Willie Rennie is a genuinely nice guy. I mean, I think I remember sitting in, sitting in Micah Hackinen's Formula One car with, with Willie, um, just outside the Scottish Parliament. He was in, he's like, jump in. He loves a photo shoot. Like, oh, he does. I'm, I'm a bit like that myself, but nothing's <laughs> come up my way yet. Um, but no, I mean, there are, and it's like, Anna Sarwar as well, and I worked with Monica Lennon on the period poverty bill. There, there is things there that we mutually respect each other's for. And a lot of the time, 
you can be in the chamber, you can be debating each other and being angry with each other. You could walk out and go for a coffee with, with most people you could do that with. Um, and I think Richard Lyle, Dick Lyle, I mean, he was probably one of the first SNP MSPs that I, that I met in the, the smoking bit in, in Hollywood. And he was, just, he was just so nice. He was just a nice guy as well. He would have a pop at me in the chamber about me saying something, but I can still get, I can still go to functions with them and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's fine. It's always good to know that, and I think it's nice for listeners of the show in particular to hear to hear that those yeah. the, the, the those that you can talk to each other, that you can get on, you can have a cigarette or you know something yeah. healthier or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't smoke anymore, so that's I've not spoken to him for quite a while. Neither does he now, right now. So there you go. We both turned each other off smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing seeing each other do it. You didn't want to have anything more in common with each other. Exactly. So then the two decided to quit. That was it. Oh, I mean, it's um, it's a remarkable and very quick political career you've had, really. 2014, you've never thought of holding office before. And then, you know, you're in a couple of years later. It's happened so quick for you. You seem to be on a trajectory. I mean, would, would you fancy leading the Scottish Conservatives at some point? Oh, I think, as you say, there's been enough leaders up to now so far. So, But no, I wasn't even expected to get elected in 2016. We never thought we'd get two Tories in, in Glasgow. And I remember being at the count, and I was like, just thinking Adam Tompkins was getting elected. Didn't think for a minute I was getting elected. And I remember the results coming through about quarter to half five, quarter to six or something. And they were like that, you're an MSP. I'm like, sorry, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you're one of the MSPs. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I, then somebody says, does Ruth know? I said, I don't know. And Eddie, who, who worked for Ruth at the time, phoned me up and she said, he said, you better let Ruth know. I said, I don't have a number. And he's like, I'll get her for you. And he shouts to Ruth. I think you want to take this call. And I didn't know what to say. I was just like, all right, boss. And she went absolutely mental. All the journalists, she was in Edinburgh, so she was swearing and the journalists were all running over to her going, what, what, what? So she did say that was one of her highlights of the 2016 election was getting me elected in Glasgow. So that's always quite nice to know. But yeah, I quit MS on the Friday and became an MSP on the Monday. And do you still get any MS perks? Have you got like a discount card or anything like that? They took it away from me. <gasps> I couldn't give them the four weeks notice, so um, I got a letter saying that I was not suitable to re-employ because I didn't give them four weeks notice. No way! <laughs> you're kidding! And is that surely... This is like one of those things where now that you're an elected <sighs> member, surely you, you've mm. got a hotline to senior staff at MS where you can say, look, can I get this taken off my record or something? Well, I could if I, if I really wanted to, but I remember meeting... I was in... I was at the Rape Crisis Centre, actually, in Glasgow, and MS had donated some furniture to it. Um, and one of the area, ma- area directors came in with the HR director, and he sort of a... He's like, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm the MSP for Glasgow. I said, I get invited. And you could see the look in his face. He, he looked at the, the HR person and went... As if, what? I don't think... Be, I don't know... But yeah, so that was me. But my mum still works. My mum just retired from MS in October. So she was 76 when she retired. So she gets her discount for the next five years. 
And what about you? Do you uh, do you shop elsewhere now? I don't really go. I don't really go to MS anymore. No, um, I I've got a Tesco down the road for me, and I like to bump up my club card points. Yes, yeah, and Aldi up the road as well. So that's my two sort of my go-to shops, unless my son and his girlfriend want a, a pizza. Then it's got to be Asda for pizza. We need to lead a campaign to get that that, that unfit for re-employment. Thing. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I'd worked for them for like 14 years or something, never been one of their top people and opened all their shops and redeveloped Bray Head for the redevelopment of Bray Heads and Chased and Muggers. Chased you know, chased thieves. Exactly. To stop them. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, not not suitable to re-employ. So yeah, I think they kind of missed a trick there because at the beginning when I get elected, MS was getting mentioned all the time. And I think even in Ruth's first conference speech, she put on, she tried to put on the sexy, and Annie's not just any MSP, she's an MS, MSP. <laughs> Her voice was even worse than mine trying to put that sexy note on it, to be fair. But yeah, so it was good publicity for them, I think, at the beginning, but um, I don't hold a grudge for them. I really don't. It's, it's administrative. If you if you ter- if they terminate, you either get suitable to rehire or not, and it's obviously just went through. But yeah, so if I don't get elected in three or four weeks' time, then I might be phoning up and saying, "By the way, can you take that off my record?" Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to frame it in such a way. But <laughs> elections are volatile. They're brutal. You know, political exactly. careers end. The the the. the... You know, the longest and, and brightest of political careers can come to a crushing end, as yeah. Labour found out in Scotland in, in 2015. Yeah, definitely. Totally. Um, but I'm, 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 a good, I'm a good um, customer at Tesco down there. I'm in every day, so I'm sure they'll give me a wee job if I need it. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure you hope it doesn't come to that. I was going to ask, though, about whether your prospects or whether you think your prospects are trying to get this so-called supermajority where they get people to vote for this telling people to vote SNP for their first vote on the constituency vote but on the list vote vote for them now depending on what share of the vote they get that is I mean it's it's throwing a kind of spanner into the works isn't it it's throwing it's really shaking a kaleidoscope it could damage the SNP it could remove you know it could it could have all sorts of implications I mean what, what what's your view and what's the Scottish Conservative Party view on how it affects you guys? I mean, I think we're out there, and as you know, most of our sort of a um, most of our MSPs are, are elected through the the regional list vote as well, the party vote to make the the parliament more representational of the people of Scotland. Um, I would say that the smaller parties are just the, the SNP are looking to win a majority. Now, Nicola's said this week she wouldn't work with Alex Salmond if that wasn't the case, if he was propping it up. But I think for us, our, our message and our key message is only the Scottish Conservatives can stop the SNP getting a majority. Using your vote for smaller, for smaller parties, like all for unity or anything like that, is going to split the, the sort of a unionist, the sort of a no-camp vote up. The Alibaba Party may do damage to, to the SNP, um, but even if they get in, we don't know if they're going to work. To, nobody knows if they're going to work together. I don't think Alex Ham's fit for office in the first instance, let alone 
be there to 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 sort of allude with Nicola Sturgeon. And after the the terminalist time they've had over the last few years, how can anyone think that that's a good idea to, to sort of have that sort of a I was going to say relationship, but sort of a feud in Holyrood when we want to recover from this pandemic. Um, we need to we need to recover from the pandemic. The Alba Party and <coughs> sorry, the smaller unionist parties are only going to damage the, that so that side of things. Are only going to damage the, the cause for independence. So uh, that's right, and you're right to mention uh, that other. Part. I think it's Alliance for Unity or All for Unity or whatever it is. George mm. Galloway's new outfit. Yeah. Are you slightly looking over your shoulder at them? I mean, obviously, the likelihood is you'll get a lot more votes than they will. But do you think, oh, the danger is there are kind of other union brands out there, and we need to we need to be we need to be slightly vigilant on on that flank. I don't I don't think they're going to do as much damage at all. Um, I think we are getting our messages out there that only a vote for us will stop an SNP majority, and I think people are getting that because to dilute the unionist vote is going to be dangerous to Nicola. And I think we're putting that message out there really clearly at the moment. Um, and again, the same with Alex Hammond, I don't think George Galloway is any fit person to, to be in Holyrood either. But as I say, the people of Scotland will decide in a few weeks' time. Um, but we'll keep that. I've been out, I did 27,000 steps yesterday. I was like, yes. Seeing as I've put two stone on since lockdown, I have to get back out doing something. So, yeah. Well, hopefully over the course of the campaign, you, you, you fit, most candidates find that they lose weight during the an election, but you can't beat a by-election for, for weight loss. It's amazing. Well, this is it. I know, I know. We did, we did have a couple of them in the council by-elections as well, but at that point we weren't allowed out to, to pound the streets. Yeah, and are so, you restricted? Are you just doing leafleting or are you door-knocking and trying to chat to people? No, ju just leafleting. We're not allowed to, but we're meant to be allowed to door knock from this week, I think. But the chief medical officer has advised against that, so... I think it'd be counterproductive as well, wouldn't it? If, 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 a, if a candidate knocked my door at the moment, I'd, I'd, I don't think I'd take yeah. that candy to it, and I love politics. Yeah, no, I know, I don't... I mean, I, I don't think I would feel that comfortable chapping someone's door during a pandemic, because especially people, you don't know if they've been shielded or if they've lost anyone or, or whatever, and we're chapping the door saying, going to vote for us. We've got other ways and means to do it. We've got telephone calls we can do. We've got the, the literature going out. Social media has been a key driver in this election. It's been such a different um, election. Um, so, yeah. But, no, I mean, we'll get out. We'll get the leaflets out there. Um, keep making the phone calls. And just keep giving people a, a choice. It's either an independent majority, and an independence majority in Holyrood, or you can trust us with your vote this time to stop that from happening, focus on recovery and forget about independence. Have you ever thought about standing in Westminster? Yeah. I think in Glasgow you'd be lucky. <laughs> um, I, think, I, think, I think I'm better suited. I think I'm better suited to Scottish politics up here because it's the things that matter to me. It's the health, it's mental health, it's the drug death crisis, it's kids' education, it's schools. That's the thing that matters to the people that I represent up here. So I think I'm better suited to, to Holyrood. Not saying I would ever rule it out if I was to move somewhere else or my priorities changed or whatever, but right here and now, I think I, I like being the strong voice for Glasgow in Edinburgh.
the biggest <laughs> city in the capital city. So, because with with Ruth Davidson, there was always that you know, periodic conversation. You'd get flurries of activity in the media. People saying, well, if "She was the leader," of the, and obviously <laughs> she'd have to get herself a Westminster seat. You know, that, that, mm-hmm. was, uh, that was the thing. People would say, "Well, if she was leader of the Tories, you know, it'd be a very different ball game, and she'd be so popular." And I just wonder, you know, obviously you're distinct from Ruth, but again, you have that. Um, the things that you described, you know, you, you're not a stereotypical view of what a conservative is, and that has benefits. And I wonder if you've ever thought, actually, I like being a conservative. I like being an elected conservative. I like being a Scottish elected conservative within the UK. Why not be head of the UK? Why not live in <laughs> Ten Downing Street? I know it's, I know it takes, I know it's a lot harder than that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe in the future I might put my sights in Butte House, maybe no 10 down the street for that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Who knows? As I say, I've only been doing the job for five years and the first the first um, seat I stood in was the same one that Ruth stood in back in 2011. She stood in a, a by-election for Glasgow North East and didn't win. Obviously, I stood there in 2015 and didn't win. And then Ruth stood... Um, and no, but I did get 200 more votes than Ruth got, just to, to, to be clear. <laughs> For the record. For the record. Vote, she... Higher vote share as well or not? Oh, no. I think we get 50, I think Ruth get 1,576 and, 1, and I got 1,776. It was something like that. And then Ruth was number two on the Glasgow list when, when she got elected in the regional list and then the top person went. So she became the MSP. And then obviously when Ruth left to go to Edinburgh, I became second on the Glasgow list and I became an MSP. So there's a, there's a wee bit of a pattern going there. <laughs> She's like a pacemaker for you. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to be in five years. Right? I know that. That's what I'm going to be. How's the Lords? <laughs> well, you never know. Actually, that, Baron that reds... Baroness Wells for Belongnock, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's got a ring to it. <laughs> it has. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't. I won't sort of count my chickens. Those were fine. <laughs> the, the red top you were wearing actually does it has a kind of House of Lords tunic feel to it. Well, I, I would think so. I didn't realise I was wearing it for that reason as well, but I'll take that. There you go, Annie. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. No problem. It was my pleasure too. And hopefully, ca- chat to you soon. Okay. Well, there you go, Annie Wells. And if you've been to Into Bray Head, it's one of those things where in the um, Broadmarsh Into in Nottingham, there was a big sign that had, was that one of those road signs with the miles on it, telling you the way to other Intos? If you don't know what an Into is, basically, they're they're like Westfield. They're a company that operates um, shopping centres around the UK and possibly beyond. Um, and the Brayhead one was always the furthest away. So, and I've been to Into Brayhead and imagining Annie chasing a whiskey thief through that shopping centre. I mean, if you're listening to this in Brayhead now, what an immersive experience this is for you. Um, there you go. So <laughs> the abiding image I'm left with is of 
Annie Wells chasing away a whiskey thief. Um, well, that was an absolute treat. I'm going to I'm do my best to, in the coming uh, days and weeks, in the run-up to the May the 6th elections, cover different types of officers. So, obviously, we had Andy Street on, who's the Metro Mayor for the West Midlands. We had Paddy Tipping, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Nottinghamshire, with Annie Wells in Holyrood. So I'm going to try and get all these different places in and, and cram in as many as I can. So there are going to be a few more episodes um, between now and May the 6th. Um, I always just presume, oh, well, more episodes, people will see that as a bonus and they'll like it. So if, you're, um, if your phone starts to get congested with a lot of podcasts, I can't really apologise because I enjoy making them and I hope you enjoy listening to them. But it's more, I'm just tipping you off. I'm saying that there may be an increase or there almost likely is going to be an increase in production uh, in the coming weeks as we get towards polling day. But I just think this whole thing's going on. I want to talk to as many different people as possible involved. There's all these different elections up for grabs. If I was to just do one a week, that'd only be four between now and polling day. And you think, well, if I've got the time and I can talk to all these interesting people from around the country, why not? Um, if you have an answer as to why not, do email the show, politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. And as usual, spread the word, tell everyone about it. Thanks for downloading and I'll see you next time. Ta-ra. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.